It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Throughout the past year, we faced challenges that most have never experienced. The coronavirus pandemic brought health concerns, financial worries, and isolation. But even with the pain felt by many, people responded with love, care, and compassion. Today's guest, Tim Schreiber, saw this as an opportunity for people to come together, and so he organized the Call to Unite event. That event featured nearly 300 participants, raised more than $85 million toward relief, and reached tens of millions of viewers. Tim is the founder of Unite, the longtime chair of Special Olympics, a best-selling author, and a founding force of the social and emotional learning movement. He is the co-editor of the book, The Call to Unite, Voices of Hope and Awakening. Welcome, Tim. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Joan. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here, Tim, because this has been an incredibly challenging time for many people. And often it's easy to focus on the negatives. But what did you see happening during the pandemic that you believe offers us hope? Well, I just I think I just see the best in people. And I don't think I see that just myself. I think many of us see it. We just don't hear stories about it and we don't see it in the media. Uh, we see the worst of us in the media. And as the pandemic broke out, I thought to myself, well, here's a chance. You know, now we're really going to come together because it's obvious that we all have to work together. And the stories I saw in the media were the opposite. Uh, now we're more divided than ever. And I thought to myself, look, let's tell a different story. We can't live in that world where this kind of hatred and outrage and acrimony is the norm all the time. So when we reached out to people, whether it was to Oprah or to President Bush or to, you know, singers like Common or Amy Grant or to, you know, Jennifer uh, uh, Garner or Julia Roberts, they all said, yes, we agree. We need to tell a new story. And when we reached out to average nurses and doctors and grocery store clerks and um, they said the same thing that we I've got a I've got a version of us that's much more united than what I see on the air. So we put it all together into this book called to unite and you know it's really an invitation to change our minds not necessarily to change our minds about politics that's that's a hard one but to change our minds about ourselves you know to change our minds about who we are who i am and uh, this is a book that invites us to you know even if we're struggling and in pain even if we're frustrated even if we're worried about the future even if we've got a lot of grief you know a lot of us are in a tough time right now still yeah. And this is a book of uh, friends you haven't met yet who are ready to give you the support you need to come through this time and find a way to celebrate even in the midst of the pain. And so, Tim, your goal is to help people reject an us versus them thinking. And, well, you know, recently it feels like our differences have really overshadowed what we have in common. We're feeling divided. So how do you think we can go about becoming a unified people when some voices discourage it? 
Well, I think we have to practice it. You know, uh, the scholar, Columbia scholar Peter Coleman says, you know, the change of this nature, he writes in the Scientific American, requires a disassembly and a reorientation of our deep structure. And then he goes on, our assumptions, our values, the incentives uh, that determine our decision making. That It's a deep shift, you know. So that's why so many people in this book invite us to quiet. Uh, to a practices of calm and self-regulation and, 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 and peace. Uh, people, you know, like Amy Grant teach her meditation practice. You know, Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams teaches us how to find a, a, a depth dimension in our lives. Many of the mental health experts counsel the same thing. A deep shifting of calm within ourselves, self-compassion. It's hard to have compassion for others when we don't have it for ourselves, right? Right. And then there's a sense in which we have to learn how to cross boundaries. That doesn't mean we agree all the time. It means that when we disagree, we try to do so by first giving the other person their dignity, not trying to violate their dignity, not contempt and hatred and outrage, because that's not going to change anybody. You know, at the end of the day, contempt just makes people dig in. Contempt is a constraining force. So sometimes we think if I just scream loud enough at the other person, they're going to change. Actually, it's the opposite. What allows people to change, what, what releases constriction is dignity and not feeling labeled and misjudged. So, you know, part of this is the inner work. Part of it is building new structures and relationships. Our schools need to teach social and emotional learning. And then we just have to have leaders who get us working together together. Uh, I'm, I don't know whether we can get that from Washington. You know, I'm not sure. Uh, right. It gets discouraging sometimes watching our political leaders. But um, I think a lot of times they're, you know, we could find leaders who would get us to cross the boundary and try to solve the problems together. I think a lot of new solutions would emerge that aren't the old tired solutions that split us apart. But Tim, that way of thinking, it gives each one of us tremendous power because we're always looking to someone else to solve our problems, but it really does begin with us. It does begin with us. And it begins with, you know, and this is this is the tough part, uh, I would say, you know, when people are in pain, as many of us are, I mean, I, I think of T.D. Jakes in this book, The Call to Unite. He says, I don't run from pain, I run to it. Uh, I look for the morsel of wisdom, a new perspective, a greater tenacity, he writes. He doesn't say that pain is a gift. He said pain leaves a gift. So we have to be a little bit gutsy here now, you know, in the midst of pain, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of injustice, uh, still to trust that we can do this, that I can do this. A lot of the people in here, Courtney Meadows, you know, she's a grocery store clerk at Kroger's. Uh, She's in the book. Why? Because she describes seeing the little kids coming through her lines and, and, and standing there and choosing more than anything to be positive, you know? So next time you're in that grocery store line and you're racing through and you're hurried, you know, maybe make eye contact. Maybe it's just for a second with that clerk. And, and with thousands of small interactions like that, we don't just change others, we change ourselves. Right. It's shifting from a me mentality to one of collective benefit. Yeah. My friend, uh, you know, uh, Charlemagne, who's a radio host, says, you know, if you took the word illness, it starts with an I. Change the I to we. What do you get? Wellness. <laughs> it's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty big shift, right? And when, when we see ourselves as part of a whole, as belonging and participating in a whole, yeah, it's a little scary because sometimes you say, well I, well, I don't trust a lot of people out there. You know, oh, I don't know if I can trust him or her or them or this. 
but if each of us takes the baby steps towards participation in the whole, then the whole becomes more trustworthy and more compassionate and more just. And that's what this book is all about. It's an invitation to people uh, to discover, you know, even in your pain, even when you're in a tough time, uh, there's a voice here inviting you to uh, the best in you and the best in others. And trying to follow that voice, not always easy, but almost always uh, a more fruitful and I think a more uh, hopeful path. Tim, as a former teacher, looking at what our children have been through during this pandemic, first of all, what problems do you think we're going to face down the road with our kids? And, and how can we incorporate these lessons that you're teaching? How can we pass these on to our kids? Yeah, so Esther Wojcicki is in the book, you know, a person who spent her life in education reminding us to teach compassion. Uh, that's the message of the social and emotional learning movement, the SEL movement. The organization I helped uh, launch, CASEL, C-A-S-E-L, has thousands of resources for teachers um, who want to teach empathy, who want to teach stress management, who want to teach problem solving, who want to teach a sense of uh, empowered, uh, teach creativity, teach these gifts of the inner life and the relational life. We had to do this in schools because otherwise the stress, the fear that our children have. Let's remember children who've seen uh, loss in their families, who've seen all the uncertainty in the world. We've taken from them something that is almost the mo- one of the most essential gifts of childhood, which is um, structure and confidence and safety. We're going to have to rebuild that safety now, uh, the emotional safety, uh, the relational safety. Uh, so we've got to give our teachers the time and the training to shift their own uh, pedagogies, their own styles, and introduce these curricula first for themselves, you know, because sometimes the teachers themselves need a refresher course on managing their own inner lives and managing their own biases. Uh, helping to overturn their assumptions that these kids are going to come back and they're going to be out of control. Well, maybe, maybe not, you know. And so if we give teachers the support, give parents the support, and make sure that mental health is at the center of uh, academic health and, uh, and, and cultural, social, family health. You just mentioned empathy, compassion, problem-solving, gifts of inner life. You've been a longtime chair of Special Olympics. What lessons can those athletes teach that can help us to achieve this goal with our children? Well, the athletes of Special Olympics are the greatest teachers of the single lesson, which is that you should never be afraid, never be afraid of the judgment of others. You know, so many Americans, you know, people of color, indigenous communities, many times women, uh, people of different sexual orientations, uh, people with disabilities. They've been judged, labeled, thrown out, oppressed. The athletes of Special Olympics have endured that in a way, very, very, very painful way, that labeling. And yet they choose over and over again not to be judged by that. They still go to the starting line. They still run their race. They still put their arms up in the air. They are never, in my experience, never defeated uh, by the oppression of the culture. And, you know, in my view, that's a big message. Uh, we don't have to excuse oppression, but a uniter reminds the world they are not defeated by it at all. That they have the strength uh, and the courage and the bravery to end it. Um, so, uh, you know, the athletes of Special Olympics, boy, I, I, all I would say to folks is if, if you hear about a, 
a community event in, on a Saturday afternoon this summer when Special Olympics athletes are out running track or out swimming in the pool. Go down and spend an hour. Just watch. Just take a coffee or a tea or a sandwich. You don't have to have a ticket. Just watch. And I will be shocked if you don't find yourself feeling like you're in the presence of a transformational force in those athletes. Not that you helped, but that you were taught a lesson about how to reveal all of you that's good and decent and loving and not be afraid of anything uh, that can stop you. And Tim, what does the organization need from each of us? How can we get involved and help? Well, right now, I mean, Special Olympics, of course, is we need volunteers and we need been very difficult for many of our local programs. Uh, Many of them have had to shutter things just because, you know, the financial support just hasn't been there the way we might have hoped, uh, which is understandable. But now we've got to reinvest in those things that remind us of the best in us. And here at Unite, you know, at Unite.us, this book, I think, look, if people comment on the book, start discussions about the book, here's the message you send. It's not a message about Tim Shriver. Believe me, I'm just the editor. The, the contributions are from hundreds, uh, over 100 people. But when you engage with the book, you're sending a message to others that this is the important story, not what you're watching on the cable news channels, not what you're watching uh, and listening to on hateful radio or, or other kinds of things. The story that you want to support is the story of uniters finding a new story of us. So I, I, I you know, respectfully ask people, go on Amazon, write a comment. Uh, uh, if you can afford it, buy two or three books, give them away. Give them to people who are struggling right now. Give them to people who, who want to have a reason to celebrate. Give them to, to those who maybe have missed a graduation or a birthday. Uh, use this book as a handbook for building and strengthening uh, the, both the inner life. We, we're all hungry to find ways to strengthen, as well as the story of us, uh, the American story. You know, Oprah's in the book, and she says uh, nations have an inner life. Imagine that. You know, I hadn't thought of that before I read it from her. Uh, Countries have an inner life. This is a book that's trying, that's offering a collective inner life for us, not just for me. It's not really a self-help book. It's an us-help book. Uh, I think we can all be supportive of us, I dare say, just by, you know, sharing this book with your friends on social media, commenting on it. And I think we, we start then a different conversation. And small, slowly, but surely, that's the way things change. The book is The Call to Unite, Voices of Hope and Awakening. Tim, in about 30 seconds or less, what's the takeaway? What message of hope do you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, believe in yourself and believe in others. There's a new story emerging in our country. You can be part of it. Uh, nothing is holding us back from starting fresh. This is our time. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for having me and for all your work to help us change our minds, change our attitudes, and find a new us. Uh, you, have a, you have a great uh, tone and a great message. Uh, we're thrilled at Unite.us to be a part of your audience, too. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website 
C-Y-A, C-Y-L.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.